Let's face it, people have different sleep needs. While you love your partner, sleeping next to them might not always be the most comfortable. Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Maybe you prefer a firmer mattress and your partner needs something softer. Because of the individualized comfort that you get from Sleep Number Smart Beds, you and your partner will sleep better together. All Sleep Number Smart Beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. And their temperature balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. The smart beds even automatically respond and adjust to your movements so you sleep comfortably all night long. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com you're 22 years old you live in an apartment with your mom in a beautiful city you're going to graduate this summer you're getting your degree in french english translation because you love foreign languages your summer is full of big plans you're saving up for trips to italy and france You work remotely, so you're free to travel. So you plan a ski trip with your boyfriend to Lviv, the largest city in western Ukraine. But one morning, you wake up to the sound of air raid sirens. The war has started. This is the story of Alina Kobol. Hello, everyone. I'm Denise Hanitka. You are listening to a special episode of On a Mother Level. I got in touch with Alina through people who met her in Davenport when she was here as an exchange student. She noticed right away that I have a Ukrainian last name, Hanitka. People have always wondered how to say it, how to spell it, and where it came from. I'm the granddaughter of Mike and Anne Hanitka, two Ukrainians who fled their country during World War II. They met in Chicago and were proud to become Americans, to create a life and a family here. They had two kids, my dad and my aunt. As a kid, I always liked having a name with history and meaning. It was a little bit of a pain that no one could pronounce it. You were always correcting people. But I kept it professionally after I got married. I love this name. I never learned how to speak Ukrainian. That is a regret of mine. But I have learned how to make some Ukrainian food, and I'm thankful that both of my boys have gotten to meet their Baba and Dito, their great-grandparents. My Dito passed away in 2019. I'm somewhat relieved knowing he did not have to see the pandemic or to see what's happening in Ukraine right now. He used to sit and read these big, thick books about Ukraine. One of them was called Ukraine and Ukrainians. I always found that so endearing. My Baba is about to turn 90 this year. She watches the news, and I feel her sadness. That's why I feel such a strong pull to this story, and why it felt important to connect with Alina and tell her story. We talked for over an hour this weekend. She's eight hours ahead, so it was about to be night for her. Another night of not knowing what would fall from the sky. In this conversation, you will hear her raw feelings about living in a country at war. She answers the question, will she stay or will she leave like thousands of refugees? 
This was recorded on Saturday, so bear in mind a few things have changed. Russia has been banned from SWIFT, that's the messaging system used by banks. Essentially, this means that Russia's economy will be damaged, potentially right away, and long term, by cutting Russia off from these financial transactions, they lose out on the profits of their oil and gas production, which make up more than 40% of Russia's revenue. President Joe Biden has repeatedly said he is against NATO closing the skies over Ukraine. Doing so would require NATO troops to enforce that no-fly zone, directly engaging with Russia, escalating this war. But countries are committing aid in the form of military equipment. The Pentagon says the U.S. is sending body armor and various munitions, plus anti-aircraft systems. For the first time in its history, the European Union is financing the purchase and delivery of arms to Kyiv, including 70 Russian-made fighter jets. France, Germany, the Netherlands, Canada, Croatia, Belgium, Finland, all countries committing to help Ukraine. Ukraine's president has officially submitted a request to join the European Union, and NATO is planning an emergency meeting for Friday, March the 4th. So depending on when you hear this, keep in mind a lot could have changed. But this conversation with Alina will always be relevant. The voice of a 22-year-old with a message she wants Americans to hear, because she believes her entire future depends on it. Thank you for listening to this special episode of On a Mother Level. Now, here's Alina. Tell me where you are right now. I am, it's Lviv region, and we're hiding in a little village. I was actually, it, it happened, honestly, all sudden. I'm actually from Kiev, uh, from outskirts. It's a little uh, city near. Uh, Kiev, that's 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 where I live with my mom. Um, and a couple of days before it all happened, I went to Lviv because that's where my boyfriend lives here. And we were going skiing. So we had a plan. Uh, we had a trip planned. And that's why I came here. And then two days ago, it all started. And I'm here with him and with his family. And my family is there. So we all separated in different regions. My little brother is with his grandparents right now in Ternopil. And my mom, my cousins, my grandma, and my aunt are in Kiev. Uh, but they moved to, also they moved to outskirts to um, a village that's that's where, where they're hiding right now. So we all kind of separated in different regions. You must be terribly worried. I am, yeah. Are you able to communicate with all of them? Yeah, I mean, thanks God that we have, we still have connection. We still have like Wi-Fi and internet. I'm sorry, my mom is calling me. I have to take it. Yes, yes, of course. Hello? Yeah, my mom just called me. So uh, they started to, the air raids started again. Like they can hear all the sounds. So she just called me that, they're going to go to the basement again. So in case if she doesn't pick up, just so I, so I know that, you know, they're in the basement, there is no connection. But yeah, I mean, things are really, really bad. I'm not sure like what you see in the news, probably you see, and you're well aware of what's happening, but it's much worse 
than we expected. It, it's it's a real war. It's you know this is what we saw in movies about World War Two, and this is what's happening right now. I mean, no one would ever believe that we would have something like this. I mean, we knew that you know our neighbors are crazy. Uh, we knew that Putin is capable of everything. But I would never think that he would do something like this, that he would try to take over the whole country. I would, I see all these pictures, what's happening in Kiev. I see like all these buildings are, tearing, are torn apart. I see all these flames and I just can't believe that it's just actually happening to us. Well, it shows me how normal life was up until two days ago because you planned a ski trip. You know, that's a yeah. normal thing that you would do and you had no hesitation about doing that. I mean, yeah, like we knew that they're planning, uh, there, there is a possible attack on us, but we, we all try to stay calm because, you know, panicking is the worst thing that, you know, we can do to ourselves. So life was all normal. We were, you know, going to work, paying our taxes to help our army, uh, planning our life, living our life. Um, I didn't even like exchange my money into dollars or euros. So, and now it's just not possible to buy any foreign currency. So, a lot of people asking me why I'm I don't leave country. Well, first of all, I don't feel like that's the right thing to do. I mean, people are dying for us here, right? Our army is doing our best, and it's I don't know just leave the country and why why should I leave this is my country this is my land this is our territory this is where I was born this is where I want to leave why should I leave my country I don't really have even funds to you know to, to leave somewhere in Europe so for now we're all here um probably escaping to Poland will be in the worst case of scenario uh, but as for now, since we're all separated in different regions, we can't even reunite right now because of the air raids that are happening at day at night. And it's very dangerous to to travel right now to another city. So we're just, you know, hiding, praying and hoping for the best, just waiting when it's all going to have. And so right now is anyone... Is anyone going to work? Are there stores open or has everybody stopped everything they're doing to hide, to care for their families, to, to find safety? Yeah, the, the, the stores are open. Uh, the pharmacies are open. So for now, we do have enough of supply of food and water for now. Some people lost their jobs. Some people didn't. For example, I work for Ukrainian company. It's called Trouble, maybe you heard of it. It's like a big job aggregator. Um, so it's a Ukrainian company, but we work internationally for 71 different countries. And I personally work for Canadian market. So I hope I will start on Monday. I mean, we need to start because we need to support our army. But there are people who lost their jobs, for example, like my whole family. So yeah, there's definitely a lot of people who don't have their jobs they're just hiding for example people in kiev i am keeping in touch with my friends most of them are just sitting in basements 24 7 because russians are bombarding our cities and you know what they show to their people in russia is that they only attack 
like military targets, military, uh, you know, places. But that's that's not true. This is a big lie because they're bombarding residential blocks, houses, orphanages, kindergartens. They are killing civilians, and they're well aware of that that they're doing this. Uh, there's also a lot of like groups of people in cities that pretend to be Ukrainians and they bang in the door and ask for the help. And then the person opens the door and they just start, you know, <sighs> taking everything in the house and beating up people or killing them. So it, it's it's bad. It's really bad. So and they're well aware of they're doing and they're showing to, to their people that they're just evacuating us to help us. And it's 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 extremely hard to show Russians that this is not what they seen. They prepare them so well, and they believe in everything they see on their news, and they strongly believe that what's happening is that uh, they came here to Ukraine to save us. And when we showing them these pictures on Facebook of what's actually happening, they say that's not us. That's that's Ukrainian forces that are doing to their own people to scare you, which is obviously not true. They are also lying to their people that they have no victims. Like they say that our army is the strongest, and you know we have no victim. Everything is fine, which is not true. And there's like literally lots of bodies laying everywhere in Ukraine and they won't even they won't even take them back to Russia because they're lying to their people that all these people still alive. When you talk about supporting your army, do you know young men who have got started fighting, who've received weapons, who have yeah you do your uh, friends, I do know colleagues? my friends, my friends, my colleagues, yes. My boyfriend is also gonna do this. Uh, they they are not taking unprepared men to the army. So even if you uh, like go to the post office and you know ask to sign you as a soldier, they won't do this because you're unexperienced. You ha- you had no experience of you know uh, fighting actually. Uh, but what you can do is uh, like you can receive weapon. Uh, you can check if everything is okay in the city because what they also do, um, they put different kind of marks on buildings. Uh, yeah, mostly on buildings and on, roof, uh, on our roofs. So that at night when Russians are bombarding, they see these marks and they target them. And they put these marks on just regular houses. So again, put those marks. there are Russians who are fighting and there's Russians who are doing this. They have this, uh, I don't know how it's called. Um, uh, it's like a paint. Okay. You know, uh, it's just red or white pa- paint. And they put like cross marks. And at night when they're bombarding from like when there are airstrikes, they can see them and they hit there. And they put these marks on just on regular houses, on schools. So, so it's again, they're not only targeting military targets. The horror of that, the cruelty of that, the complete lack of humanity is so hard for Americans to understand watching this from so far away. It, it's unfathomable. Yeah, I mean, I post a lot. I write a lot of posts. I, I'm trying to raise as much awareness as possible to explain to people abroad because I have a lot of friends from different countries. 
I'm trying to show them what's happening. I know that you you watch news, you see what's happening, but you know when it's far from you, you like you see all this news and like oh my god, poor people. I send my prayers, and, and that's it. And then you just go and sleep at night. I mean, I've been in this situation when all this happened in Afghanistan, for example, and in all these other countries. Of course, your heart is tearing apart, but you just watch this. You like. You, you pray and that, that's all. And unfortunately, that's not enough. I do see all the support from people in Europe, in US. Uh, I see people praying for us, going in the streets. And yeah, that's that's a great support. We see this, we hear you, we thank you. But unfortunately, it's not it's not enough. Uh, like we, we need the, the reaction of the world and it's not just with prayers and empty words because what NATO is doing, it's it's honestly ridiculous. It's taken them three days to ban Russia from SWIFT. This is this is ridiculous. They annexed Crimea in 2014. They annexed uh, Eastern territories in 2015. Now uh, they have whole Ukraine. We have air attacks. We have people who are dying, people who don't have uh, homes, they, they, like, I don't even know if I will be able ever to return to my house. I hope I will see my family again. It's, it's much worse than you see on news. It's a real war. And I think what people up there don't understand is that it's not a war against Ukraine. It's a war against humanity and against the whole democratic world. I, I don't think that people understand enough how bad it is because in Ukraine, we have a couple of um, nuclear power uh, plants. So there is one Chernobyl. I know probably a lot of people know this one yeah. uh, because yeah. there was like a big tragedy. So how they actually entered Kiev? They were entering Kiev from Belarusia through Chernobyl, and then they got to Kiev. So there is actually a lot of Russian military forces around the Chernobyl nuclear power plant. And the higher level of uh, radiation has been already detected. What people need to understand is that if anything happens there, I don't know if they attack this power plant, the Europe is gonna blow up just like this and not just Europe, the whole world. So when you see our government and the European Union offering sanctions and kind of doling them out piecemeal, your reaction to that is? I, I don't think they care about the sanctions that much, honestly. If they are there enough to invade our territory and to do what they are doing now, I do. I, I was. I'm sure they are ready to stand uh, against the sanctions. They, they knew exactly what what's going to happen. They knew the risks. If they still invaded Ukraine, it means that they're ready to take those risks. Obviously, ban. Uh, Russia from SWIFT, don't buy Russian products, don't buy Russian oil, gas. Of course, it will help. Of course, it's better than nothing. But still, I think that they're well aware of what might happen. And I think they counted that, took that into consideration. And looks like it's not a valid reason for them not to move forward. What we're asking right now from NATO is to block the sky from the air raids, because our army is actually very strong. Honestly, I'm surprised 
how our army is strong. Of course, uh, also U.S. and other countries helped us with the with the military equipment. Uh, but I'm very proud of our Ukrainian men and of our army what they're doing for us. They're very brave. They're fighting for us, and I think we, we have a big chance of winning this war. But we need NATO's reaction and world's reaction to block the sky over Ukraine. And this way, at least civilians just won't die massively like like right now. So we ask this and yeah, I hope they they will do something. But honestly, I'm in despair because if it takes three days for them to block Russia from SWIFT, um, I, I don't hope, have any hope anymore that they will actually, you know, send military troops to stop Russia. There are a lot of reports here on American media about how Russia is facing resistance like they did not expect. They were expecting to move much quicker. They were expecting to take the capital very, very quickly. What does that say about the Ukrainian people? Um, I can say that we are very united right now. I'm honestly very proud of of our army and our people right now because we fight in this war together. Like even people who are just sitting in their basements and feel hopeless, they still, you know, fighting the war uh, with the Russians on Facebook. They're sending them, uh, you know, posts and pictures of what's happening. They're trying to reach reach out to them and show them what their government is doing. Um, and we're, we're very united right now. Uh, we help each other. Like my mom said that, they took a couple of families uh, in the house, so there's a lot, a lot of you know people in our house, and all of them are uh, in the basement. So we helping each other a lot. And what Putin did to us uh, actually made us much, much stronger because we were hating Russians like we did, like we didn't hate them ever before. Like we, we hate them always. But right now, the, we have so much anger, so much hate for them. Um, and yeah, people are very united, help each other and believe in our army, support our army. And it's it's hard for me because, you know, I'm still a student and I need to write my dissertation and work. And it's, it's just so hard. I, I'm not sure if I will be able to, you know, graduate this summer like like I was supposed to, because I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But I'm just trying to pull myself together. And, you know, I'm planning to, to continue working on Monday because we need to pay taxes. We need to support our army. We need... I am very proud of our people and our brave men. So what are you studying? I'm studying translation, French English translation. And what is your career goal? Um, honestly, I I don't know yet. Uh, I always wanted to work remotely, I would say, because I really love to travel. And I would always want to get, like, I, I actually work remotely right now. And I, was, I always wanted the kind of job that would be remote so I could, you know, travel and see the world and work remotely. It has to be something with languages because I, I really like foreign languages. Um, How many languages so do you speak? 
um, Ukrainian, Russian, English, and French. Yeah, your English is fantastic. Thank you. I, I don't know what future holds for me, honestly. After all this happened, I, I feel like uh, after all this ends, and I hope it ends, I need kind of job, I, I need a kind of job that, you know, will help the world to fight injustice. I, I, I feel like this is actually my goal. I think after all this happened, it's a sign that I need to do something to help my country and to help other nations and other people who face injustice like this, because I can't even describe the level of rage I have right now, uh, but also I'm trying not to lose hope. But I would say that sometimes I honestly feel hopeless when I watch news and I see like everything that's happening in Kiev. I see the streets where, you know, I see my university, I see my fav favorite cafes, I see how they, you know, everything is bombarded. I see these flames. I can't believe this is my, my city. <sighs> and yeah, this is just really, really hard for us. And when you also like read the news that um, European countries are deeply concerned, you kind of just, you, I, I, I hate this sentence, deeply concerned. I hate this phrase, like, what are you, like how you deeply concerns are helping us right now. Like, please just do already something. We kind of feel hopeless. We, we have hope in our army and we're, we're very thankful for our army, you know, what they're doing for us. We are thankful for uh, US and for other uh, allies who sent us a lot of military equipment. But I think the world's reaction has to be a little bit different. Uh, I, I know that they want to, you know, resolve it, resolve it all peacefully, democratically, but it doesn't work with Putin. It doesn't. He doesn't want to resolve it peacefully and democratically. He's acting like a terrorist. He, well, he's not acting, he is a terrorist. So yeah, like what we are asking right now as a nation is to uh, close the sky uh, over Ukraine, to avoid air attacks, to avoid all this death. And I think our army will handle the rest because they're strong enough. I can understand that no foreign soldier wants to come to another land, to another country, to fight for another country. I absolutely get it. I know that they don't feel like it's their war. They don't see the point of going here and you know losing their lives. I absolutely understand that. But it's also not right just you know to leave us alone. It's a big country. It's actually the biggest country in Europe. We have a lot of natural resources. I, I was studying in the US for a year. I came back here five years ago. I could leave Ukraine five years ago. I could stay in US, but I, I stayed here. I'm getting my degree. I'm going to my work. I'm getting good money. I live in, in a nice apartment. I eat nice food. It's not like we live in poverty. This is ridiculous. Uh, I do consider Ukraine as a European country. I've been to a lot of different countries um, in Europe and Asia. And yeah, I, I can say I, I don't find us any different than, for example, Poland and pretty much gain the this, this, this same salaries than they do. 
And before they invaded us, uh, I had this conversation with my mom because my mom was always uh, telling me when I was in, back in the US, she was like, Alina, you have to stay in the US. You have to get your degree there. You have to stay there. Don't come back here. There's nothing good here. I came back and my mom was, of course, happy to have me, but she was still like, you need to go abroad. You need to get your degree. You have to have a European diploma. Um, but I stayed. Um, so it's been five years. I was working first for Norwegian Airlines. And now I'm working for this Ukrainian company. And I was actually having this conversation with my mom just a couple of weeks before it all happened. And uh, I told her, like, you, you see, it's actually, we're doing pretty well. She was like, yeah, I know, right? Uh, I remember saying that I want you to go somewhere. But actually, I see now a big progress in our country. I see that people started to gain a better wage. Uh, people can afford more. Our cities are growing. It actually is starting to look like Europe a lot, you know. It, it's it's no different than Poland. It's it's actually a wide leap if like you can make good money here and make you know a good life here. It's like yeah, I know, right? She was like yeah, I know. It's it's good, and I'm I'm sorry that you know I was telling you to to leave, but it's good that you had this hope for our country. And now this happened, and I have no idea how it's going to be like. Even you know, I, I believe that we will uh, win, but I can't even imagine how hard it will be for us to you know build it up again. What what I want you to you know try to tell Americans about this war. First of all, that it's not only our war. Uh, I know that. It's in Ukraine and not on your territory. As I said, I completely understand that no foreign soldier wants to come here and die, but we don't want to die either. And we did not start this war. We love our country. We want to live here. We won't make a future here. We're, we're not living in poverty. And we did not choose to, we did not choose this war. We don't want to fight. We never ask Russians to come here. If he is going to invade Ukraine, Poland is going to be next. Moldova is going to be next. Romania is going to be next. Because if he invades Ukraine and sees that, okay, well, that was actually easy. Yeah, I had some sanctions, but still we can survive. My people are going to live much worse, but who cares? This is people. I live, you know, I'm on good, so why do I have to care about my people? If it happens so like this easy for him, he's going to try to invade other countries. Another World War III is gonna happen. This is what's gonna happen. So what people have to understand in the US, it's, and it, you know, abroad, it's not only our war. We did not choose to fight. We're not asking, you know, soldiers to come here and, you know, fight for us. At, the, at least what we ask is to close the sky. Our army will handle the rest. We ask to close the sky because this air attacks this air raids, it's, it's terrible, it's terrifying. We die in here. We live in basements. We soon will have nothing to eat. We have no jobs. And you still deciding something and hesitating? This is ridiculous. And I also heard what Biden said is that he is ready to um, protect NATO's allies. And I don't remember when it happened two days ago, yesterday, 
but Russians actually uh, attacked two ships, two Romanian ships, and Romania is a part of NATO. As far as I know, when you hit a ship, it's considered like attacking a country. So that's kind of happened. Russia already attacked uh, NATO allies, and I'm sure that all the countries are well aware of this, but they still, you know, hesitating and trying to try a democratic way of solving the problem, which is obviously not working. Can I ask you about your president? He seems yeah. to be very visible. Um, there was a quote last night that he um, he refused to leave the Capitol at the U.S. government request and, you know, the offer to get him out of there. And he said, I need ammunition. I don't need a ride. Yeah. What do the Ukrainian people think of him and the way he's leading right now? We are very proud of him. We didn't expect that he would be, you know, this strong. And he's a great leader, I can say. He's the best president we've had in all these years. I'm very proud of, of him. I'm very proud of the way he's handling all of this. Um, considering the fact that he's not a politician, considering the fact that he doesn't have a degree in political science or whatsoever, he's a regular man. But I do see that this person wants to change something. He's very, like, Europe-oriented. Um, he wants Ukraine to be a part of uh, European U- U- Union. He wants to be. He wants Ukraine to be a part of NATO. And this is basically why it all happened. Ukraine wants to be a part of NATO. Why we want that? Well, because we live next to Russia, and it's scary, as you can see. Everyone, the world can see why it's scary. So why we want it to be a part of NATO? Because NATO could guarantee uh, the security for Ukraine in case. Russia attacks us. And that's why he invaded. It's not because of the resources, but because he's scared that that we can live better than Russia, that we can be a part of something good, a part of something powerful. That's the reason why he invaded Ukraine. So he uh, demanded that we give up uh, participation in NATO. And if that happens, he will move his troops. We said no. And this is what happened. It's almost seven o'clock at night there. So yeah. what does the rest of the evening hold? I mean, how do you how do you get ready for bed now? Do you do you sleep? Do can you, you know, eat dinner like normal? You know, like what what does daily life look like? What does this evening look like? <sighs> We read news all the time, all the time. News, 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 news. Uh, I sleep in clothes, in warm clothes, because in case uh, if something happens, in case they start bombarding, I can get up and go to the basement very quickly. Um, we, act, we are hiding in a small village. It's outside of Lviv, uh, so it's a bit safer here. But before we were in Lviv, as I told you, I was going on a ski trip with my boyfriend. I came to Lviv because that's that's where his parents live. So I was visiting uh, and we we're supposed to go on Friday. So today we we're supposed to go on a ski trip. And when it all happened, I was woken up by the sound of sirens. 
I was like, I, I woke up and was like, I hope this is just they're checking if this, you know, if this sirens are working. That was your first sign that something yeah. was happening is you heard. I woke up, I, I woke up because of the sound. And I was like, the, the, the first thought that crossed my mind was like, no, they're just checking if they're working. They're just checking. And my boyfriend entered the room. He already knew what was happening because, you know, he woke up earlier and he was checking the news. It was like six o'clock in the morning. Uh, and I saw his face and I realized, no, that's that's not it. And he told me the war started. And I was like, where? On East? He was like, no, everywhere. So they attacked all the cities, all the cities. They were attacking uh, cities on the East first for, well, for eight years. And at 5 a.m., they attacked multiple cities. I think they, they attacked all the cities because um, there were a lot, there were like sounds of bombing and guns everywhere in Ukraine. The first thing I did, I tried to call my mom because they are all in Kiev and I couldn't reach my mom. I couldn't reach my aunt. I couldn't reach anyone. I'm seeing this news that, you know, there's bombing, bombarding Kiev and I cannot reach anyone from my family. I was panicking. I, I thought that my heart is going to stop for a second. Um, and then like my, my grandma called me back in an hour and said that uh, we're packing and, you know, we're all together now because they all kind of live on different streets, but in the same city. So little city outside of Kiev. And she said that we're packing and we're going to go to a summer house because there is a normal basement where we could hide. So I was like, okay, I know that, you know, everything's fine with them. Um, and then we went to a store to get a normal supply of food and water. There were a lot of people in the streets. There were a lot of people in the, in the, in the store. And I want to say that before, people were not panicking, like, at all. We had enough of food. No, everything was normal. We were trying to stay calm. And... When, when the, the war started, people were, you know, trying to buy all the food. The, all the stores were, like, empty. So we got some food, and we, we came here. It was like, I, I have some money. Uh, I also have, you know, all the money in our currency. I probably need to exchange in dollars at least something in case we'll need to leave the country. And I went to the exchanger, so all of them were closed. Sorry, my mom is calling me again. I'm sorry. Hello. Yeah, my mom called me again. They're still bombing. They can hear this horrifying sounds of air raids. Uh, she said that there is a tank uh, in, the, in the village. And the, the windows are like shaking and they're all sitting in the basement. So she called me again, just, you know, to let me know that they're, they're alive. They started the air raids again. The air raids are the most horrifying thing. This, like the, the sounds, the sound of it, oh, it's, it's just, it's horrible. It's, 
it gives me panic attacks every time I hear it. I think I will, I will, I will, I will be scared for the rest of my life because if I hear some sound on the street, straight away I think it's a siren. I remember like this morning that the, when the war started, when I was woken up by the sounds. From day, from that day on, every time I hear something outside, I I think that it's siren. And the second day, like we stayed in Lviv on the in, on the first day, like we got food, water, and we decided to stay in Lviv because in Lviv it was it's it's actually like pretty much okay comparing to what's happening in Kiev. But the room where where we were sleeping, it was like very close to the window, and I just couldn't fall asleep because I would picture this you know this missile hitting this window and this glass everywhere and I just I was picturing this in my head and I just couldn't fall asleep so I, I didn't really sleep well for like three days uh, every time I try to fall asleep uh, I still you know have this dreams bad dreams and like shaking or something I wake up in the middle of the night checking my phone news seeing if my mom didn't text me so it's horrible I, I haven't slept normal in three days and like when I try to eat I can like swallow normally because they have this you know it's all like spasms here it's yeah it's 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 horrible so pretty much what's what we're gonna do i mean we're gonna have some dinner i guess and you know we're always checking news reading news and the, the basement is open so in case if we hear something we're, we're gonna go to the basement straight away and yeah, that's that's pretty much our life right now. Alina, could you um could you tell me about your time in the Quad Cities and when you went to Davenport? Um, which which high school in Davenport did you go to? Uh, Central. Central. Okay, and you were here for a year. Yeah. Did you like the Quad Cities? Yeah, of course. I like the Quad Cities. I like Davenport. I like staying with my family. I made a lot of friends there. Uh, we keep in touch throughout all these years. It's been five years, but I actively keep in touch with uh, friends and families. Uh, I miss them a lot. Have I, you I heard really from a lot of them this week? Yeah, they're constantly, you know, texting and checking checking up on me. Um, so yeah, that, that's sweet. <laughs> yeah, but. You know, I know that they're thinking about us and sending prayers. But yeah, as I said, it's not enough, unfortunately. Yeah. Like when people, you know, first day, second day, people were like asking, are you okay? Is your family safe? And I was like, yes, uh, we're fine for now. But now, like when people are asking me, like, are you safe? I'm not really. No, we're not safe. No, we're not okay. I, I can't call it safe. My family is in right now in the basement. The windows are shaking. They they hear the missile flying, missiles flying over the house. Are they safe? No, they're not. They're not safe. Are we okay? No, we're not. I can't call it okay. I can't call it safe. So, I mean, yeah, we're alive, thanks God. It's the third day of the war, we're alive. We keep in touch. That's That's already something that's already good. But no, I definitely can call it okay. I definitely cannot say that we are safe. And for all these people who who ask me that and who keep in touch, 
I hear you, I see you, I'm very thankful for everything you're doing. I see how many people are protesting, uh, you know, gather in uh, big cities. We see that and we really appreciate all the support. But we, 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 need, we need something <laughs> more than that. Our people are just like so brave. There are people who like literally stopping tanks without like any weapon or whatsoever. They just like stop. There's, uh, I, I read like a lot of news that there's uh, a grandma, she lives on the border with Russia and there's uh, Russians uh, occupied a village. And so she was like, she lured them to, to, to her house, like, hey guys, do you want some tea? And so she gave them tea and put some, um, oh, how you call it in English? Like a poison? No, it's not a poison. It's like, I don't know how you call it, uh, but it's basically like when you, when you cannot go to the bathroom for a very long oh, time. Like a laxative. Time. Yeah. Like when you cannot go to the bathroom for a very long time and you drink it. So she put it in their tea. Uh, and so like when they were all in the bathroom, she locked them and called the Ukrainian soldiers to take care of them. So I, I, I'm honestly so proud of our people, how united they are. And uh, they were like, there are also people in Kiev who um, making this cocktails of Molotov, yeah. you know? Yeah. And just throw in, in Russians. Um, and yeah, people are not scared. I, I think first day they were like, we're just gonna go to the basements and you know stay here. And most of the people do that. But I see the more we fight, the more people like, no, we cannot just sit and wait that we're going to be saved. We have to do something. And running away, I mean, yeah, it's an option. Of course you can run away and, you know, you can stay in a refugee camp. It's an option. And I know a lot of people do this. But at the same time, why do we have to leave our country? Why do we have to run away? It's our territory. We have to fight for it. If we're just going to run away like this, everyone, okay, then let's go, you know, let, let's, let's run away, let's go to Poland, give this land away to Russia, and the war is going to end, right? But people are dying for us, army is fighting for us, so just leave, I mean, it's not an option. I do consider it as, you know, as a worst case scenario option, if things are going to get, like, very, very bad. <laughs> Although I don't know if I will be able to, you know, to walk or drive to the to the Polish border if things are going to be really bad. And regardless, your your family is away. Yeah, and, and like we, we are separated in different regions. I cannot, you know, I can't say myself, but I cannot save everyone because it's it's really dangerous to move anywhere right now. We're just all sitting uh, in our basements and praying for the best, and it's it's not safe to to move right now anywhere else is there anything else that you want the people in the quad cities to know when they hear this i think i'm just gonna highlight and summarize everything i said sure. uh first thing they have to understand is that it's not only our war it's not only a war against ukrainian people it's not a russian ukrainian conflict i hate when people say this it's not a conflict uh, it's a full-scale war. It's unprovoked war. 
We did not want this war. We do not want to join Russia. We do not want to be Russia. We are ready to fight for our country. We need your support. I also want to highlight why it's important for everyone is because you never know what's in his mind and he might want to conquer in the rest of the world. Who knows? Another thing is the nuclear power plants. We have a couple of them in Ukraine. And if any one of them is going to be hit by a bomb or something, uh, this level of high level of radiation will kill not only Ukrainians, but, you know, Europe. So that's that's first thing. Another thing is please don't hate us for asking NATO to help or block the sky. We definitely understand that you don't want to come here. We definitely understand that, you know, it's not your country, not your territory. And some of you don't see the point why you should help us with NATO or army or, you know, help us at all. I get it, but I stated the document that U.S., Britain, and Ukraine signed in 1994. It's called Budapest Memorandum. And Ukraine gave up its nuclear weapon in return for security, including by force. So we do have legal rights to demand uh, NATO's help. And we're not asking to send us your sons and your fathers to, to save us. We ask to protect the sky, to cover the sky from air raids, because that's that's the most horrible thing. It's basically the same what you, you know, what what US experienced during the 911 um yes. tragedy. Yes. It's the same thing, but we have multiple of them every day. And this is happening to our homes, to kindergartens, to orphanages, people who no place to live. And third is that I don't know why why we're not talking about this, but if the U.S. is ready to fight for their for its allies, right, for NATO's allies, Romanian is uh, a part of NATO, and Russians did hit their territory because, well, not their territory, but uh, their ships, which is considered to be a territory, a property of Romania. So, well, they practically did already invade not only Ukraine, but also Romania. So that's already a sign of, you know, doing something. It's not the only sign, but I mean, if we really get like technical and if, if, if that's what's needed, uh, if uh, NATO is ready to react only in case if Russia attacks not only Ukraine, but also another European country, which is a part of NATO, will that already happen in Black Sea? They did attack two Russian sh- two Romanian ships. And it's definitely in media, you can find it. But for some reasons, people don't talk about this widely, probably because I, I know why NATO doesn't want to help us. I know that because if they do, they're, they're afraid that, you know, Putin's going to attack their countries also. And the World War Three is going to happen. So I got all these worries. But again, uh, we can't, we, you can't leave us just like this, stranded. We don't want this war. We also have families. We, we also have future. I'm 22 years old. I'm not, I don't want to die. 
I was living my normal life. I was going to graduate this June. And now uh, I'm sitting here in this village hiding from the air raids, uh, far from my family. I, I don't know what the future holds for us. I don't know if tomorrow will come at this point. Uh, I, I mean, no one deserves this. You can't just leave us like this and say, well, it's not our country. Let's hope for the best and pray. We are praying. And I know there's people all around the world praying for us. And I appreciate this, but, you know, it's it's not enough. We're not safe and we're not okay and we need your help. We need the world's immediate reaction to this. Alina, thank you so much. I appreciate your perspective. And I know now that it's nothing, but we are praying for you. And the helplessness that we feel and the fact that we want nothing more than to have you go back to work on Monday and go back to school and to feel safe again. That's what we hope and pray for you. And I'm just so sorry that this is happening. Thank you. Just mentally preparing that I might not see my city anymore. I might not go to my home, to my flat. I might not pick up any of my clothes. I came here with, you know, with, with a small backpack. Like I didn't even take my clothes with me. So I was calm. I was trying not to panic and be calm. I, 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 I was reading the news. I was well aware of what's happening. I was like, no, it's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. He cannot invade the whole Ukraine. He could not invade Kiev. I was like, bombs in Kiev. You kidding me? No. And back in Kiev, um, I have a huge international community. So it's not only Ukrainians here. There are so many foreigners, including US citizens who did not leave. Uh, again, when I hear people saying that, oh, it's another Afghanistan, why should we do, you know, do something? Uh, Kiev is a very international city. There's so many foreigners. We have our own community when, you know, we get, together on Saturdays and go drink beer, go dance and do something fun. And they are all here. Some of them left, but there are a lot of foreigners here. Mm. And like they're all also devastated and scared. There are some guys who joined our army, even though they're not Ukrainians. So I just really hope that I will be able to come back to Kiev because I really love the city. It's a beautiful city. And I just hope that I will be able to come back again and reunite with my family. For the last five years, I've traveled a lot and I had so many plans for this summer. I was like, I'm going to go to Europe. I was saving my money for, you know, this summer trip to go to uh, Italy and France. And now all I want is peace. That's all I want. That's all I pray. That's so I want. I don't want anything else. I don't want any trips. I don't want anything else but peace. That's all I want now. So yeah, please raise awareness, write articles, talk about us. I don't know, go on streets, ask for help for us. Because the more people protest, the more people talk about it, post about it, the more we'll be able to you know, do something because it it also makes a big difference 
when people stay silent and when people talk about this, when the governments see that people are actually reacting, they're demanding something, they're asking, uh, it, it makes a big difference. So yeah, if I, I, I see you have you know a lot of followers on Instagram, if you have the influence, just do what you can to raise awareness about it. That I can do. That is something I can do. Thank you. Okay, Alina, let's be in touch and be safe tonight and and we'll keep messaging, okay? Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. You have been listening to the WQAD Podcast Network.